Chapter Four of Gypsy the Talking Dog, a story for young folks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carrie Sherrock. Gypsy the Talking Dog, a story for young folks by Tudor Jenks. Chapter Four The Gypsy Dog Finds a New Home. Back of the house where Chris and Helen lived was a clear space in which there stood a long pole planted in the earth. From the top of this pole, a rubber ball in a net hung at the end of a long string. On the day after Christmas, the back door of the house opened and Helen appeared, carrying a racket in her hand. Closely following her came her brother, also armed with a racket. The children took their places, one at each side of the pole, and then began a game of tetherball. It is exciting and, like most good games, a little trying to the temper. Each player attempts to wind the ball close up to the pole by hitting it with the racket. And when it begins to wind up the way the other player wants to have it, you are very good-natured if you do not feel like whacking something else than the ball that goes whirling high above your head. Chris won the first game, Helen won the second, and the third was a struggle. Wang-bang went the rackets, and the ball flew wildly around, first one way and then the other. Just as it was almost wound up the way Helen was driving it, the string broke, and the ball flew off and fell among some thick bushes. The children started to search for it, when suddenly, out from the bushes came the very same little dog they had seen chased by the gypsy on Christmas Day, and in the dog's mouth was the ball for which they were searching. At the other end of the dog, so to speak, there was a sort of blur by which the children saw that a stumpy tail was being wagged at a high rate of speed. The little dog came trotting up to them and dropped the ball at their feet, but the tail kept on wagging without a moment's rest. Dogs wag their tails in a dozen ways. There is a sort of wag that says, Oh, I wish you'd pay some attention to me. Kick me if you like, but do pay attention to me. I'll do anything if you'll only speak to me. Dogs that wag their tails in that way usually roll over with crazy delight at a word. The little gypsy dog was not that sort. His tail wagging seemed to say, How do you do? I'm a mighty pleasant kind of a dog when I'm treated right, and I rather like your looks. Suppose we make friends. So plainly was this message of the tail signaling that Chris said, Come here, old fellow. You're a fine dog, and it was nice of you to bring back the ball. And then he held out his hand toward the dog and kept it still until he was sure padding would be agreeable to his new friend. Helen, too, went down on her knees and gently put one hand on the little dog's neck. In the delight of this meeting, the game of tetherball was forgotten and never finished. While the children were making friends with the dog, Suddenly, the gypsy, who had been chasing him the day before, rushed forward from around the corner of the house and seized the dog by one of the hind legs, at the same time striking him with a switch or light cane he carried. "'You little wretch! How he been bashin', Jukal! Ruffy Lee Ma, I may feck a bar and mar you, Jukal!' cried the gypsy. At first the children were so surprised by the sudden appearance of the man that they could only watch him with open eyes. But as soon as he struck the dog, Helen crouched closely to the dog to protect him, and cried boldly, "'Here, stop that, this instant! You shan't beat the little dog!' The gypsy looked angrily at her, and then said quickly, "'Chee-chee! Hushly Ronnie Lejukal is mine! Javri! Go away and mind your business! The dog is my own, and I'll beat him if I please! Take away your hands, or perhaps you'll get a taste of the stick, too!' The gypsy had kept hold of the dog's leg, and now raised his switch again as if to carry out his threat. But, as soon as he made this motion, Chris, who had said nothing, raised his racket and brought it down so hard on the man's arm that he dropped his switch and began to hop about with pain and rage. 
Then he turned angrily to the boy. But Chris never budged. He eyed the man coolly and kept his racket ready. The dog may be yours, said Chris, but my sister is mine, and I don't allow anyone to raise a hand to her. Seeing the boy's boldness, the gypsy became more respectful. He glanced uneasily at the windows of the house, for he could not believe the boy would be so brave unless some grown person was near. Chris's father had gone to the city, and his mother had gone with her husband. The servants were all women, and Chris had no reason to think there was any aid near, but he stood his ground without flinching, and the gypsy spoke more politely. "'Little Ria,' said he, "'I don't blame you for standing by your sister. I was wrong to raise a hand at her, but I came for my dog.' At this moment the gypsy paused and looked about him. The dog, as soon as the gypsy had let him go, must have run away, for he was nowhere to be seen. "'It is no use talking now,' said the gypsy with a grin. "'You can't give what you haven't got, but I know the dog well. He will be about here, and so I'll go back again for him. If he comes, shut him into the cellar and keep him till morning. Your father will be home then, and I'll see whether he will not tell you to give me my own. I'm no Jukelfemler, and, if you wish to keep the dog, you can pay me my price. Now I will jaw draw him, so barry doos. Thereupon the gypsy touched his slouch hat, picked up his stick, and sauntered off. "'Weren't you afraid of him?' said Helen, when the man was out of sight. "'No,' Chris answered. "'Besides, what could I do? I couldn't leave you, could I? I wonder where the little dog is.' Chris began to whistle very softly, and then, as there was no answer, more loudly. Helen, too, began to say, "'Here, doggy! Here, doggy!' and both children walked about among the bushes trying to find him. They kept this up for a while, but at last became tired of searching. They had lost interest in their game of tetherball and decided to go indoors. Then, as soon as they reached the back door and turned the knob, there came a rustle in the bushes, a quick rush, and the little dog was dancing about them with head and tail trying to shake out goodwill. "'Open the door, quick, Chris!' cried Helen, and we'll take him in.' So soon as there was a crack wide enough to admit his body, the dog wriggled in, and the children followed. The door was shut and bolted, and the children at last felt safe. Apparently, their little guest also felt safe, for he at once quieted down and trotted along by the children, sniffing here and there, as all good dogs do upon visiting a new place. Once or twice he sniffed loudly, almost as if he were sneezing, which is a way dogs have. It is as if they didn't like the scent and wished to be rid of it. The children would have been glad to play with their new companion, but they soon saw that he was too tired for sport. He seemed willing to oblige, but was drowsy, and seeing a low and cosy armchair in a corner of the sitting-room, he turned his head on one side as if to ask permission, and then hopped into the chair, turned around three times to wind himself up, and went to sleep before he had more than settled himself in a comfortable coil. Chris and Helen sat down on the hearth-rug, and began to discuss what their father would say about the gypsy's right to his dog. "'Of course, a man has a right to his own property,' said Christopher. "'And if he says he must have the dog, why, I suppose we must give it up.' Just then the little sleeper in the chair stirred uneasily and softly whimpered in his dreams. "'Hear him!' exclaimed Helen. "'It may be as you say, Chris, but I know one thing, and that is, the man has no right to whip the dog when he's good.' "'But perhaps he's not a good dog,' Chris suggested." Oh, he's a good dog, Helen answered. I know he is. How do you know? Why, because of the way he wagged his tail when he asked to come in with us, and because of his being so polite about the chair. When was he polite? Chris asked. Didn't you see him? 
Why, he wouldn't even get into the chair till he had said, may I? I tell you, he's a well-bred dog, and he doesn't belong to the gypsy. That's just like you, said Chris, smiling at her. You go to making up a lot of things about the dog, and then thinking them all true. We don't know a thing about him. Yes, we do, Helen insisted. I can tell whether I like a dog in the same way I can tell whether I like a person, and this little fellow is a fine dog. So I say let's keep him if we can. The dog slept most of the afternoon, and did not really become wide awake until dinner time, after the father and mother had come from the city. Chris and Helen were so eager to tell all about the gypsy's visit and the coming of their new pet that they had to be suppressed and sent to make ready for dinner. Then, during the dinner, they had no chance to talk, because table chatterboxes were not in favor in that house. But when the after-dinner coffee was served, their father turned to them and said, "'Now, Helen and Chris, you have the floor, provided you do not both talk at once. Suppose you begin, little girl, and tell me about your first sight of the new dog. Afterward, Chris can give the facts concerning Mr. Gypsy's visit and other important matters down to the present time. Meanwhile, I will see that our small guest doesn't suffer from hunger.' The little dog had remained quietly upon a rug before the fire, never once begging even to be noticed. And now, when food was put before him, he helped himself without either greediness or fussing. Then Chris and Helen told their stories, their father and mother listening attentively, and now and then asking a question. When the stories were finished, the father said, I think I should have done precisely what you have done. That is, if I wanted the dog. Of course, the dog may belong to the gypsy, but then again he may not. If the gypsy doesn't own the dog, why, it may be that you can keep him. I doubt whether the fellow ever comes back. I hope the gypsy will not come, said their mother. The children have been wild to have a pet ever since they have learned to know Galopoff the pony. If they can't have a pony, I'd be glad to have them own a nice dog. I hope the gypsy doesn't come after him. Just then the doorbell rang. End of chapter 4